Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 215. I am disgusted with the Clippers. Drew is hopeful that the Lakers turn it around. And is this the end of the road for John Wall, Blake, and Cardiac Kemba? It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 215. We've been on a brief hiatus. I hope that everybody enjoyed their turkey day. I know it feels like weeks ago, but I've been in a little bit of a funk the past week after Thanksgiving. I was a little unmotivated. We, uh, you know, we had a busy schedule between Drew and myself. He had three turkey days. I had my folks coming in. I cooked, Drew. I cooked the you whole did. meal. I did. I did. I made, look, I was only cooking for three, right? So mom and dad were coming down on the train. I'm going to go pick them up in San Juan. And I wanted to, to stoke them out, right? So, you know, well, I did you to, do your sliders, your famous uh, Thanksgiving sliders? They, I went better than that, dude. Oh, I went shit. Be, I, well, they, they turned in for me into Thanksgiving sliders later in the week. But like, I went to Trader Joe's because, you know, I love Trader Joe's to go pick up all my stuff, right? And there's only three people. So they had, they had a couple like, pre-made turkey things in the bag you just got to put them in the oven yeah and you can't see the turkey though right and i'm looking at the price and i'm like oh this is deep it was like 11 bucks and i'm like hell yeah like i, I want that but i didn't know if it was gonna be enough for pops right because i know pops yeah. wants it to go so anyways i go buy two of them i get some cornbread stuffing get the cranberry orange sauce buy some some appetizers a nice cranberry goat cheese with some nice brioche toast you know to keep mom held over while football's playing Okay. Yeah. I even bought some green bean casserole, little, little quiches. I call them quiches. They're really quiches, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> so I get to the checkout line at Trader Joe's, right? And I've already doing the math in my head. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. It's probably a hundred. I get to the checkout line and, and it was like 192.65. And I'm like, what the fuck did I buy? Like, where'd you get this cranberry <laughs> sauce from? Anyways, that $11 was $11 per pound. And I bought two of these bad boys. So oh. I bought like $65 worth of turkey, right? And, <laughs> and one of them didn't even feed the three, was, was enough for the three of us, right? Got it. Anyways, been eating turkey all week. They turned into turkey sliders. I had a great time seeing my parents. Uh, how were all three of yours? Well, it was good. I, so I the first one came back uh, a couple weeks ago when uh, me and my fiance flew out to Dallas uh, to see her her sister and and their young kids who weren't going to make it out west coast for the normal Thanksgiving. So that one went well. Uh, but the one that actually happened on Thursday, the actual Thanksgiving day, was important because my folks were invited to hang out with my fiance's family for the very first time. The yeah, she's got a very extended family, a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins and the whole nine. And everyone was down at the uh, the house here in Encinitas. 
and it went very well. I, I know, I know my fiance was nervous. She's like, they I never have met. Some... Well, so my, my folks and, and Casey's folks have met, uh, you know, a few times and stuff, but not the, not the full extended mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a first go around for everyone. It was nice because you know, it'll, it's a nice little warm up before the wedding comes in April and you know, they will all have met each other at that point before then. So everything went really well. Uh, it was really nice to be a part of like an actual, you know, Thanksgiving where family was, you know, around each other. And then uh, it was just really good meal. The turkey was on fire. They had, they had ham as well, which I, I'm a huge ham guy. Definitely. Ham, um, over ham over turkey any day of the week for me. Absolutely. I mean, Thanksgiving, I have to have some turkey, right? Because of what it is. I Ham for all the other holidays, though. Christmas, ham. Of course. Easter, Easter, ham. It's, you know, any, any other setting that I, I don't even remember what other holidays we would need a, some sort of meal for ham. Uh, so not, not just any ham, honey baked ham is where you, where it needs to be at. Honey baked ham is by far the best. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it is weird. I feel weird when it's ham that isn't from the honey baked ham family. Place. I, I'm yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a little spoiled when it comes to my, my pork. Um, but it went really well. And then, you know, my, uh, on Saturday, we went up and, and hung out with my parents and had the had the Thanksgiving number three, which was great. But I do I, I can understand why, you know, eating that much turkey, at least for me as well, it, it slows you down like there. The tryptophan thing is real. Like I have never been more exhausted after a meal and I eat a lot and I usually am tired after I eat because it's a lot, but not to the point where I'm like passing out in the chair. I, I mean, other than Thanksgiving, that's kind of like a, a Thanksgiving tradition. But yeah, dude, really good time, uh, really good food, and we had great pies and like apple crisps and all the all the good shenanigans. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a really enjoyable week. But I'm I'm definitely done with turkey. I still have some leftovers in my fridge. I need to finish those just because you know I want to I want to not waste the bird. But uh, once that's done, I don't need turkey for another year. I don't need turkey stuffing. I, I never use cranberry sauce ever again. Anyways, moving forward. Um, real shitty week for me, okay? It's been a shitty week <laughs> for me and you. I'm gonna, I want to start. I, I don't want to go in too deep on this. The Clippers and Lakers both suck, okay? I know the Lakers pulled one out last night against Sacramento. It wasn't looking really good. But I, I, I just want to say my piece. And I know everybody listens to the show. I know I go in, you know, I can go in on tangents on the, on the Clippers for a little bit too long. We want to talk about the NBA, but look, man, I did something the other night, Drew, the other night against the Pelicans Monday night that I honestly don't think I've ever done in my life or in the, in the recent past. Okay. I don't remember a time I've ever turned off a Clipper game and went to bed. Okay. Drew, you should see <laughs> Drew's face right now. I, and this is, this is the word that kept coming to my face, Drew, was disgusted, okay? Yeah. I was absolutely disgusted with the Clippers the other night. And rightfully so, I should have. That game was over in the first two minutes of the game, okay? Jonas, Dirk Valanciunas had eight points in the first two minutes of the game. Just jacking threes, jacking three. By the time he got to five, I was over it, all right? And yep. I did have to work early the next day. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'd rather go to bed than watch this ass whooping. And I don't want to be that guy, Drew, that makes the excuses. And I know you and I have had this conversation this week. This Clipper schedule the past five games has been really awkward. And this isn't a Clipper. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not being biased. I, you know, 
It was we have a game before the before Thanksgiving and then an afternoon game on the Friday after Thanksgiving and then Sunday afternoon as well on a back to back come Monday. Okay, which is just a really weird schedule to me. Um, And that could mean something to to NBA teams and it's got to be hard for the players. I get it. We did win that game on Friday, you know, after after Thanksgiving, but then took an L to look Luca and then took another L to the Pelicans, man. And I would I, I know Jonas is a, is a really good center, right? If this was Willie Cauley Stein, I probably would have thrown my TV if he went and got buckets like this, right? But these are the teams that we need to beat, man. And there were just there are times during the Clippers games and during Clipper seasons where it absolutely we, we go from looking like an elite team, an elite team offensively and mainly defensively to going into a game looking like we don't even want to fucking play the game. And that's what was bugging me the most. Careless ass turnovers. You know, even Paul George, to some extent, was just doing some dumb ass shit. And it really upset me and frustrated me. And but we have a we have a Sacramento tonight. They're on a back to back from your game last night against the Lakers. Paul George is sitting, he's resting. And so who's going to get the buckets tonight, right? This is, these are the games where I want to see, okay, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Eric Bledsoe. I need to see some more shit from you because the disparity between being elite one night and just absolutely amateur the next night is happening too often for us. And I need to see a change. Yeah, it is weird, though. I mean, there is a a very real sense of whether or not the Clippers are up for a match, like right in the beginning of the game. And you guys are slow starters, but it really does start on the defensive end for you. You might not hit your shots to start, which is that that can happen from time to time. But it is it's like defense turnovers and rebounding. Those are the three things that I mean, and that's pretty those are three things you could look at any game and go, well, who's winning those three things probably is going to be who wins who wins the, the, the game. But really for the Clippers, those three things are all about effort and energy. And sometimes you're just not there. Or uh, in case of the turnovers, I think sometimes it's just about trying to do too much or just getting getting stuck in not running through the offense like you normally would to get your normal shots. But I mean, to be quite honest and, and to be very fair here. Valanchunas is like a clipper killer, bro. I mean, the, the, I was going to say, game... Drew, Drew, he's the new Patty Mills. That's what I was yeah. meaning to say. He's Valanchunas is the new Patty Mills. He had a career high the first game we played and then yeah. and then killed his career high the second game. Sorry, continue. No, I mean, but the bottom line is the guy finished with 39 points uh, and he was seven of eight from three, which is I don't know how many teams could possibly have that happen and then still beat this Pelicans team, to be fair. Like if the Clippers, the Warriors, the Son, I don't know if Jonas if Jonas is doing that. Uh, they're they're a completely different team, and obviously that's not going to happen a lot. I think the funny thing about Jonas is that he has those whatever that four or five threes in that first game, and then uh, the the announcers for the Clippers were like he was like one of eleven from the three from three in between the, the games that he played against the Clippers, and then immediately went off. So I think it's just one of those things, man, where. If you look at how impactful his scoring was in the first half, uh, they, you know, the Pelicans were up by 19, but most of that was because Valanchunas was putting in points that they don't normally see out of him at that rate. And the game would have been a lot closer if he misses those shots. But where's uh, the adjustment, Drew? That's my only thing is where's the adjustment. And a lot of these were wide open. And the adjustment happened um, at one point, you guys actually put Zub to the bench, which was really important because Valanciunas was just so open from the top of the key. You brought in Serge and you brought in 
Hardenstein and Hitman. Hitman. And that helped. It really did help a little bit. But by that time, Valentinus was so hot, like he was just hitting cash with hands in his face. Um, so it didn't really matter. But that clearly was an impactful change that Ty Lue did. I think he was too reluctant to go to it fast enough. And then when you guys put Zoo back in in the second quarter, it picked right back up where it started in the first for, for Jonas. But um, dude, it's just that's one of those that's one of those nights, man. I just don't I, there's not much to say if, if it was if Jonas wasn't doing this and it was still that kind of performance and that discrepancy from the scoreboard. I think you would have a, a, a more valid complaint. And that has happened to the Clippers against Memphis. And I would say against the Pelicans, the first time Jonas wasn't, you know, this lights out, but he was hitting shots. It's a tough thing for any team where you're, you're guarding everyone else pretty well. I would say the defense was fine everywhere else on the floor. I mean, Ingram got 27 points, but he does that to pretty much any team. Um, I would say you guys, without Jonas going for almost 40, the game is a lot closer. And I, I think it's a different tune. I agree. And I, I mentioned that we, we played Luca after Thanksgiving. We didn't. We played Golden State. And during that game, when I'm saying we look like an elite competitive team, I kept saying, and I know Jeff Crompton's li- listening to this podcast, Every the both times we played Golden State, I kept saying to myself, we can beat these guys. Like mm-hmm. we match up really well. We can beat these guys. And then what happens? It's 25 turnovers. That's where we're losing these games, right? And I'm not saying that uh we can we can hang and we can beat Golden State, you know, because I'm a diehard Clipper fan. I think we match up well against them and we can play them well. But then when you go into these games, these type games, they really piss me off. Now, I know tonight, Sacramento, it's another game that we should win, but Paul George isn't playing. They're pissed off because uh, Sacramento blew a, a nice lead going into the third. That, that discrepancy was wild, and I'll let you talk about it more because I think we need to talk about the Lakers right now in the moment. But um, anyways, I want to see a win from them tonight. I need to see more from Bledsoe, dude. I have to. I have to see more from you. And uh, – Fun fact, though, really quick, they sent Brandon Boston down to Agua Caliente. Drew drops 46 on his birthday and then comes up and plays the same day up at, up for the Clippers, which is pretty interesting. I've said since the beginning, they say this kid can score, and I've seen him score. But, you know, dropping a quick 46, that just goes to show you, like, NBA and G League, right? It's two completely different things. But anyways, yeah. let's, let's talk about your Lake Show because you have a lot going on right now, too. My, my final thought on the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard needs to needs to shave the head. I think Luke Kennard needs to shave his head. Uh, he needs to go into Caruso mode because all I see when the guy's out there, especially when he's missing or at the free throw line, he keeps doing the swoop yeah. uh-huh. with his hand. He he's does. trying to swoop it and he brings the side like the side forward a bit and then mm-hmm. swoop over. I have been there. I, I myself, I know very much what that feeling is like. It, it's a lot better when you just say fuck it and then you 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 you, you get it down to a nice thin one or two down there and you just say fuck it dude this is what i'm looking like look at look at caruso dude i mean his offense really took off once he just decided to go embraced it just go super short on the hair and now he's like he's like i don't know if it's if it's bick but he's he's down to like a zero it's a good you know what Uh, luke if you're listening to the show luke you already locked up your girl he's engaged right now i think he got engaged the past couple weeks you're right listen to drewski shave the head let's see if that changes anything I think it'll change his demeanor. I think he'll have more confidence. That's that's just my last thing, uh, because he hasn't been shooting as well as he started the season the last couple of games. So, uh, going to the Lakers, what a roller coaster two weeks it's been since we had a, a last recording of a podcast. I mean, right after we record, LeBron elbows Isaiah Stewart, 
that has been covered and touched on a lot. I think LeBron absolutely meant to hit him. I don't think he meant to hit him in the face. Same. I think he, I think he went to, he, he definitely meant, meant to swipe that arm down off of his hip. And Isaiah Stewart is one of the like hardest working big men in the league right now, which is why he is a starting center at how small he is. Uh, I think there is a little bit of Trez in him where it's just like, he's a kind of a dog. Like he, he really, he doesn't care who he's boxing out. He's going for the ball. He's trying to rebound. Uh, and, you know, he got a little physical with LeBron. LeBron was not having it. And then it just turned into a, a pretty chaotic scene after that. I don't, I don't think LeBron knew his head was right there. No. And look, it's funny. I ran a poll on my personal page and on Clips and Drew page, and over like 90% of the people said, oh, LeBron meant to do that on purpose. LeBron has never done that in his life. It's not his MO. He's never done that. Did I think, did I think he was physical and knocking his hand off of him? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I can guarantee you he didn't mean to hit homie in the face because the last thing LeBron wants to do is get, get suspended any more games, lose more money, and the Lakers lose more games. Now, I, I also don't think, Drew, I know we didn't touch on this, and if it's been said, it's been said. I, it looked like it was okay until Isaiah saw the blood, right? And then mm. I don't know if it was Russ, who doesn't know why he got a tech, even though he squared up like freaking Joe Lewis in the background. He squared um, up from like seven feet away, though. <laughs> I, know, I know, still. That's, you never get a tech from squaring up from, from three yards away from a guy. The NBA don't play, I guess, dude. I, I, and LeBron tried to find him after the game and apologize, and Isaiah wasn't having that. And by all intents and pur- purposes, everything I've heard about Isaiah Stewart is he's a really great guy. I've also heard Draymond Green say yo this dude is the strongest man in the NBA like the strongest man and he's like 20 dude he's like 21 years old so I'm sorry continue LeBron gets suspended well I think the interesting thing about that moment is there was a weird period in time where if Isaiah really wanted to hit LeBron or push him or shove him or whatever he had it right because there before everyone came together LeBron went to him and and was trying to I mean maybe it was cover or something maybe you know if if you believe that lebron did that on purpose you're saying he did he walked over there to be like apologetic because he hit him on purpose i think it was an accident that he hit him in the face uh but there was a very like maybe three to five seconds where they were just face to face with each other Mm -hmm. and if isaiah stewart really wanted to swing on him he had all the he had all the opportunity in the world right there before anyone was on him and i do think it might have been the fact that he saw the blood or started tasting the blood in his mouth because his lip got cut too um, or, or the future or his NBA future flashed in front of his eyes and, his, and he had to think to himself, is this the right decision to swing on the King? Probably not. And we all saw what Gilbert Arena said. And that's yeah. very true. One thing, one person you don't want to swing on is LeBron James. I personally think drew, and I know they squashed it. Like the two teams didn't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. I can see Dwight Howard or Russell or somebody saying something that fucking fired this guy up. Well, I think, I think there's a chance LeBron said something because okay. they, it was literally just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then maybe once LeBron started to get pushed away, like as as players got in, into it, you know, kind of in a scrum, there's a chance LeBron said something that wasn't that because there there was definitely a moment where mm-hmm. it was fine, and then it and then it clicked, and it was like okay, it's on. When Isaiah tasted his tooth, he's like, oh wow, I got hit a little harder than than expected. And I, that's I mean that's that's that could de- definitely be it, and it could have been just as simple as that. Uh, but I did. Hear, I heard that Isaiah loves boxing, and like oh. I on the on the real, like he was he enjoys to box, um, which again makes me think that he probably didn't want to hit LeBron in the face, or else he would have, uh, and would have had the capability to do so in the moment. But- I do. I do think really fast. I do think that 
he should have gotten way more games. I was expecting somebody asked me after the game, how many games do you think Isaiah is going to get? I said, probably five. Cause he was tearing that bitch up. He tore up that whole place, running over coaches, running over everybody. I thought they would have given him at least five. I think the only reason that they didn't give him five was because it was his own coaches. It was, if, if it was Lakers players and Lakers staff, I think the, the suspension would have been more severe. Um, and I think, I think two games is fine. I honestly, I thought they should have gotten the same amount of suspension. I mean, it, it, look, the guy got hit in the face was bleeding everywhere. I haven't seen a bloody face like that in the NBA in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's well within the, uh, somebody's right to react like that when you get kind of sucker punched, if you will. And I think, you know, it, it, going back to the last scrum that we had with Morris and Jokic, I think if Morris pops up and like doesn't have his neck snap back. I think Morris is probably doing something similar um, after he got knocked over by Jokic, uh, but he was down and injured after that. So I, anyway, I think two games was fine. I thought LeBron deserved two, to be honest, I mean, whether it's, <laughs> whether it was intentional or not, that was bad and you can't have that, but you know, the, the league loves LeBron. Uh, so he only gets one and Isaiah gets two and it is what it is. The Lakers end up winning that game which was really important for us. They came uh, back and won that game. Right. We were, down, we were down significantly, and that was, a, that was actually a really nice coming together moment. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, uh, that's not how you want to necessarily come together, but it was a big win. And then, of course, we lose to the Knicks um, in a close one without LeBron during the suspension. But then he comes back roaring uh, in that fourth quarter and wins the game for us against Indiana pretty much single-handedly, which does was Le- unbelievable. Does- does LeBron James just own Indiana? I mean, leg- legitimately throughout his whole career, what were Pacer fans thinking was going to happen? He has <laughs> literally destroyed your your dreams every single time he plays. I'm sorry, Drew, I had to interrupt you because it wasn't surprising to me at all. No, I mean, I think the thing that was surprising was how how many threes and how deep the threes were. I mean, normally LeBron takes over a game and it's and it's a couple threes and then he'll get to the basket and he'll do it some other stuff. But that was just mostly just step back, just cash. Who do you want? Sabonis, have it. You want any Miles Turner? You got it. Like who whoever's stepping up, I'm doing this and it's going in. And that was really awesome to see. And it was a huge moment for us to get a win in a very close game. Um he also did it with the signature left-handed step three-pointer. Nobody, nobody was up ready for that. Anyways, who reads the scouting report, people? Yeah, seriously. I mean, especially after he hits like two in a row, maybe, maybe play him a little bit to the right. I don't know. That's what I would do. Just a touch if he's going to be stepping back. Um, so that was big. And then we go in uh, back home after that. That was a road trip that we were on. Um, and we go back home. We lose in triple overtime <laughs> to the Kings. Uh, which was that was a crazy fucking game. We should have won that game. I think the Kings also should have won that. Like it was so back and forth. Like the Kings had a lead, then we would get a lead, and it felt like we should have came out on top by uh, by the end of the fourth. We were we were in control, and we let them come back into the game like we have done this entire season. Uh, and then we rattle off two more wins, uh, one against Detroit, and then last night against Sacramento. But before the Sacramento game, LeBron uh, either has tested positive for COVID or uh, was within contact tracing distance of somebody who was tested positive is going to be out for 10 days. So it's interesting because as bad as it has been for us and has as much of a struggle as, as it has been for the Lakers, uh, when LeBron is on the floor, it, it's, it just feels a lot better. Um, I think everyone, including Russ, including AD and Monk and all these other guys that are on our team 
when LeBron is on the floor, they, they feel more settled, which I think is a, probably a normal feeling. Uh, but to me, those little glimpses that we had, even though every single game has been tight, we looked better with LeBron on the court and Anthony Davis still can't shoot from, from deep. Uh, but Russ is playing, I think, better. Uh, it's very clear for me to see that he's playing a little bit better each and every time he's out there, especially with LeBron on the floor. Uh, he's still missing layups at time. He's still not shooting very well, but it is all the flow of it looks a lot better. So it gives me hope that I, I didn't have for a few weeks uh, beginning of the season that we actually will be able to pull this together by the you know second half of the season. And I think the main po portion of this is that LeBron has to stay healthy and he has to stay in these games. And if COVID is going to be something that he's going to battle now, then it could be an elongated absence. I mean, Embiid had a, a crazy battle with with COVID recently. Um, to the point where he said he didn't know he was gonna if he was gonna make it or not, and so if LeBron is in for a battle like that, then you know the ten days that we expect for him to be out that could very easily be elongated, and then we're back into this weird Anthony Davis and Russ thing, uh, which ended up working last night. I mean, we we won pretty substantially against the Kings without. Why do you LeBron. think it worked though, Drew? Why do Why do you think it worked? It worked because AD actually played on the box, bro, and wasn't wasn't taking these dumbass threes. Um, which are, I'm saying they're dumb ass because we've posted the percentages. I've said it's like he's the worst shooting guy in history right now, uh, taking these three point shots. He's like 16% on, on all this stuff. It worked because he was on the box doing what he should be doing. I'm curious, Drew, if moving forward, I think these 10 days, <clears throat> I don't know how many games you have in 10 days. It might be three, most likely four. If you have the Clippers schedule, you, you will be playing nine in 10 days. That's that's just how it goes. But anyways, these next 10 days, and AD came out and said, like, hey, I'm going to be more vocal on the locker room with the media. He, he said he's going to put his foot down and be the guy that they need. I want to see Anthony Davis be that dude now. This is your time to shine. I know he hears the criticism. I know he's on social media. I know people are still are questioning his top 75 all time, which they should. They should be checking that shit right now. And I want to see in the next 10 days how Anthony Davis plays. And I want to see this top 75 player along with Russ win the ball games, not be in triple overtime with, with guys like Sacramento and Detroit again and, and all that. I want to see more. And that's just coming from a, a, from a fan, not a Laker fan. Well, I mean, that's exactly what we were talking about on the last podcast. Uh, that's just the, the bottom line is like when you, when you want to be the leader and we all want him to be the leader, he's got he's to start doing it. And missing shots is not necessarily what I'm talking about from lack of leadership. We went into it a lot on the last one. So re-listen to that or listen to it if you haven't for my thoughts on that. But yes, it's going to be great. I would love to see him be a little bit more aggressive and assertive on, in all aspects of, of the game. I mean, there's just so many plays where he falls down or is standing and doesn't get back on defense or doesn't run on offense. And, and it's a little shit like that. And then I will say, dude, when LeBron was out there for that few couple games, I saw a smile on Anthony Davis's face on the court for the first time this entire season. And that to me, maybe he's finding a little bit more of the joy, enjoying playing basketball despite his terrible shooting. And I will, I will reiterate this 16 and 16.7% on threes which is the worst in NBA history by any player with two plus attempts per game and 20 games played at least worse in NBA history. 38.3% on mid range, which is worse than the NBA by any player with a hundred or more attempts. That's Anthony Davis as well. And 33.1 on jump shots, which is worse than the NBA by any player with 150 or more attempts. 
that is how poorly he's shooting. But his numbers are still amazing because when he goes to the block, <laughs> he can score. And if it's in the paint, he can score and he can make free throws. I mean, those 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 should be higher as well. But uh, I would love to see him step step on the gas a little bit. The next game that we have clips is is a Clippers Lakers showdown on Friday. Um, and that'll be big for for Anthony Davis to step up and play well because he's going to have to match Paul George in scoring in that game for us to be in the game. And we're going to have to actually play defense. I mean, unless, of course, the Clippers um, come out a little lackadaisical. I'm hoping that might be the case. I'm hoping, obviously, the reason why Paul George is resting tonight, first of all, he deserves it because the guy's played every game and he played fucking 38 minutes a game. So he deserves the night off. Um, that'll be a fun game. You should come up here and watch it with me. Uh, another stat for you, though, Avery Bradley, minus 107 in 468 minutes played on the court for the Lakers. So I know a lot of people don't like analytics, but again, numbers don't lie. You know, it's obviously that that's not working out. But who is working out? Malik Monk's working out, right? We still haven't seen Kendrick. I mean, none's not playing, right? No, none. None still hasn't still hasn't suited up yet. I think mm-hmm. he'll be back. I would I think it's by Christmas. I think we're expecting him, but potentially into January. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bazemore was a strikeout. He's he's DNPing right now. He's not playing at all. So Fogel gave him some run. Let's get Bradley in there. Bradley, it, right now it's not it's not happening, my my dude. I think he's a good defender, uh, but it's not happening. So now we've gone with Monk and Ellington. Ellington started last night. And those two guys, at the very least, are able to hit shots. And Monk right now, when he, he's kind of on an upswing, hopefully that can keep going because when he misses, it goes pretty down fast. Uh, but he had 22 points last night. He had six out of 10 from three. When he is hitting, uh, it's, it's a game changer for our squad because he actually can create shots for himself. It's not just a catch and shoot, just like, like Wayne Ellington is. Um, Monk is fantastic. When he, when he is able to score, like we all hoped he would when we signed him, our, t- our team is significantly better when we have a, a little six shooter coming off the bench. Uh, but yeah, I mean, eventually you will hope that Avery Bradley uh, or none or, and uh, THT who had a red heart hot start is like just, just bricking everything now. So we're, we, at least we have some bodies to keep cycling through. <laughs> Austin Reeves is back playing. Um, you know, it is what it is, but I, I think the nice part is like that position in particular, that, that, off guard or that small forward we have three three four or five guys that we can in a given game rotate through and hopefully one of those guys will either be able to stand in front of somebody on defense and and make a shot so we'll see how that goes but I'm excited to see none eventually and I think he could he could bring something to the team that we don't have right now definitely so now that we're done talking about mediocre teams uh, I want to talk about last night's TNT games, because those were two, it reminded me of opening night, man. Cause remember opening night games that the Brooklyn Milwaukee yep. game was awesome. Both the games last night, Brooklyn and in, in New York, uh, Brooklyn and the Knicks. And then we had, you know, the matchup of the best teams in the NBA Phoenix and, and golden state. But I want to start with, uh, with the battle in New York. And it was a really, really good game. It's crazy because it reminded me a lot of uh, Laker Clipper home games where, you know, Lakers have way more fans than Clippers do, even when it's a Clipper home game. And it was kind of the same way last night. There was literally nobody cheering for the Nets until the end. Yeah. It's everybody cheering for the Knicks, which just goes to show you exactly what we talked about like two weeks ago, how we're like, you know, $7 tickets. They're trying to get people into the building, you know? Um, Kemba's been taken completely out of the lineup, which is a big, which is a big piece right now. Tibbs has just taken him out of a rotation and they're going with my guy, Alec Burks, who I've liked 
Uh, he's on my all. I wish he was on my team team. Alec, <laughs> you know, you know, there's a few guys, Dwight Powell, Alec Burks, um, uh, Jalen Brunson. A lot of these guys I really would love to have on my team, but Alec Burks is great. He's huge. Six, six, and he's got a huge wingspan, probably the better guy to be in there defensively since Kimba, you know, is a defense uh, is a defensive liability right now. Um, but the way Obi Toppin's playing, Julius is talking about a guy that just, I think, does too much. I, I think Julius Randle's game is great. It just seems like he's working so hard for every bucket and he hits really hard shots. And no. the refs came out last night and said, you know, you weren't getting the fouls because you're just too strong. And I hate that because it's the same shit Shaq went through. And the reason why Julius Randle got teed up in that game and was heated after the game is because that shouldn't be his fault. A hack is a hack. If you're getting hacked, call the foul. If you're going to call it on the same thing on James Harden, call it on Julius Randle. Doesn't matter if he is uh, if he's stronger than anybody or not. Uh, James Harden had a huge game. He was great in this in the second quarter. I think he had I think he had 19 in the second or even more than that. Um, they ended up pulling out this game. I thought the Knicks were going to be able to get it, but both these teams I really like. Blake has been taken out of the lineup on on, on uh, Brooklyn as well, and they're going with uh, James Johnson. And they brought uh, Bembry's outplayed him, and Bembry actually looks pretty good out there. Hustle guy, um, really athletic. James Johnson got a lot of minutes last night. KD did his thing, um, but I, I enjoyed the game. Any, were there any takeaways for you? I think you hit it on the head with both these games. This was this is good basketball. Like this is intense playoff type of atmospheres, and we're just a quarter of the way through the season. So that part of it, I absolutely enjoyed. And this was a nice back and forth. Uh, first half was very close. I mean, the whole game was very close. Um, you know, the the Brooklyn got out to a little bit of a lead in, at, going into the fourth. I, I would love to see these teams play in a in a in a playoff series. I think that's what I would love to see, and I think they have interesting matchups for each other because the, the the Nets really don't have anybody that can stay with Julius from a physical standpoint and from a quickness standpoint. I think that's the problem that Julius um, is for most teams in the NBA because of his size and strength and quickness. Uh, but you're right, dude. I think the thing with with Randall he's too willing to take tough shots, mm -hmm. right? Like he thinks because he can hit them and because, you know, he, he was unbelievable last year. Uh, I think he just, he's too okay with settling for a double team fadeaway, you know, shot from, from 17 feet um, where I think if he just trusts his teammates a little bit more, he'll get the ball back. Right. That's, that's the thing that Steph Curry does that everyone loves because he's he doesn't force up shots in, in triple coverage he moves the ball and he goes runs and gets it back and then gets a shot so I think something about Julius Randle is is if he can just trust his teammates that when he passes it he'll he'll actually get it back in return and be able to, to put up a better shot I think that'll be important um, I think Tibbs has had a bit of an up and down right like a for a while there the bench unit, like all five starters off the floor for the Knicks, was outperforming their starters. And I think Tibbs is is a, is a great coach to handle this kind of stuff, like different rotations. Uh, but something that was different from this Knicks team thus far is that their defense has not been nearly as good as it was last year. I always think that defense is uh, entirely dependent upon how much effort and willingness the team is willing to give on that side of the floor. So... I also think that the move for uh, Kemba Walker to to be out of the rotation is completely called for, and this is something that I I brought up when when he went to the Knicks is like as exciting as it is for this guy to be at home and for him to be on this team. I didn't really see it because he hasn't been the same player before he went to Boston. I mean, that first year in Boston was pretty good, but 
you know, his knees, his body, they're just breaking down, I think. And he's just not nearly the same guy. And maybe he can play himself back into that shape. But I, I unfortunately, I think this, this is kind of the, the end of, of the road for Kemba here. In I, the next I don't think couple I don't, years. To, to what you're saying, though, I don't think it's his his knees and whatnot. I think he, if you're going to play on Tibbs team, you have to be able to play defense. Right. That's a huge part. So maybe it is. Maybe it is the age and the wear and tear on the knees that he can't keep up. I mean, God knows how fast this guy can be and how fast he was. But then you see a guy like Derrick Rose that's getting his minutes too, who's been through every single kind of knee injury you could possibly have, but then worked in that that floater that we've been talking about that's been working so well for him. And I was I wrote this down in my notes to ask you, dude, like how big is Mitchell Robinson? Like Jesus, bro, <laughs> this guy put on the 60 pounds of beef and he is gigantic, man. That is Massive. a force to be reckoned with. And if he doesn't foul – Patty Mills on that last play of the game where Patty was just going to have to throw it up. He fouls him dumbass foul. And I'm sure Tibbs pulled him aside at the end of the night. Like, yo, if you just went vertical on that, you dumbass, like you could have had this, this game could have been yours, but I think they have a lot of really good pieces. Drew. I mean, obviously Evan Fournier has been playing really well. That's a great signing. He's shown me a lot. Cause you know, I've never been a big Evan guy. And then, you know, Brooklyn's going to win games. Brooklyn's going to win games when you have guys like KD and, and Patty and, and, and James Harden in there. But um, uh, you got anything to say about that? I mean, I, I do. I think it's the same thing that I the, – the same way I feel about Kemba being relegated to the bench is I think it was good for Blake to go to the bench. I think Blake, he was not performing at the level that they needed him to for the Nets, and I think that's a big thing for a new coach and Steve Nash to go to one of your stars, quote-unquote stars of the team, and say, look, man – we're going to give these other guys a run because you're just not cutting it. And Blake is just sitting on the bench now being a cheerleader. And I do think that it was warranted. So I think that just from a coaching standpoint, when a coach makes a decision like that and the team responds well, I think Kevin Durant, James Harden, the rest of the group can say that was a good coaching decision by Steve Nash, which he hasn't been faced with a lot of those because it's only been his first year and a quarter. Uh, so I think that's really important for the team. And I think just like I said about Kemba, Blake can still play his way back into the lineup, but you're going to have to start showing it in practice. And then you're going to have to, well, and they're not practicing that often also. So you're going to have to start showing it in the, in the little minutes that they give them. Where's your effort? And I don't think effort was ever a problem with Blake. I just think he's just not making any shots. Uh, and he's not really big enough to be a center, which is something I said without his un unbelievable leaping ability being something that he can pull out of his back pocket. He isn't big enough to guard a lot of these centers out here. And LaMarcus Aldridge was playing fantastic. James Johnson is faster than Blake at this point, And I think just as strong. Um, and Bembry is really good for this team. But I, you know, I still think the Nets are going to be ridiculously difficult to beat for any team when you have just Kevin Durant, James Harden, pick the rest of the three. No Joe Harris for a little while. He's out injured right now. He's going to have surgery on his ankle. Like you have Kevin Durant, you have James Harden, the rest of the three, as long as they're willing to work hard, they're probably going to be in and win most of the games they play. If, if those guys are performing at that level where, you know, KD had 27, Harden had 34. Like that's, that's tough. That's tough to beat, man. I, the last thing I do have to say is like, I really, I feel bad for RJ Barrett. Uh, he started off the season. I thought, I think pretty good. And then something happened. Well, I don't know right what now. it is. I, he's hurt right now. Well, no, I know that, but he, before the injury, he was playing and shooting very, very poorly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think defensively he was giving effort, but there was something about RJ where he started off good was, was um, I, I feel like playing with a lot of confidence and then somewhere in that run where the, the, the starters kind of lost their groove 
and Tibbs just like was like, fuck this. I'm just putting my whole bench in. Uh, I don't know what happened with RJ, but I, I hope he comes back to the form that he started the season out with in those first five to six games where he was looking good. And he's he hasn't really been that anymore. So uh, Nets at 15 and six are leaders in the East. And I thought it was funny. Harden caught his first tip jam last night and he was so hyped about it. And I was thinking to myself, he's like, this is my first tip jam of my career. And I'm like, if that's not the most James Harden stat of all time, look who doesn't has never gone in for an offensive rebound to dunk one. Like, come <laughs> on now, James. If anything, like lie about it. Be like, yo, that's why, you know, I've, I've caught a lot of them, bro. Go to the tapes. But when he was so hyped to catch one and he was wide open too, it was so funny. Uh, Moving to the, the second game, which is the, the one I really wanted to focus on, which was, you know, Golden State and Phoenix, the two best teams in the NBA. Both have been on crazy winning streaks. Um, and this game just proved to me why they are by far the two best teams in the NBA. Out of all the games that I've watched offensively and defensively, both of these teams look so crazy. The, uh, we've said effort so much, but like the amount of effort that goes in on defense on both sides of these teams and the pieces that both teams have, the perfect pieces. Again, I talk about it so much. The other thing I wanted to say was like, yo, how has Phoenix chosen not to pay DeAndre Ayton yet? Like I have, Drew, I want you to bring, bring me up a name right now of yeah. a guy. I remember saying in the playoffs last year, he reminded me a lot of Patrick Ewing. All right. No, yeah. none of these big men's, these big men today are using this jump hook at all. His touch around the rim around five, seven feet is better than any big man that I've seen in a couple of years. If you can bring me up a name, bring me up a name. It's a better jump hook than Giannis has. It's a better, well, well, there's always Jokic that we need to talk about. Jokic doesn't really use that too much though. Robin Lopez. Lopez, you think, okay. Robin Lopez has the sky hook. He brought he, out the we're sky We're talking hook. jump hook is different. <laughs> jump hook and the, and the wannabe sky hook that you take twice a night is different. What I'm saying is the value of DeAndre Ayton is, is crazy. And just they, again, with the pieces, I'll, we'll start with Phoenix first. Like, here's a good question for you is, and again, Steph had the worst shooting night of his career last night, but is that because Mikael Bridges is, is, is he the Steph Curry kryptonite? He put, he was in his ass all night. And what you can say, whatever you want, Curry does take bad shots. 30, you know, some of these shots aren't the best shots that he should be taking. But on the defensive end, just with with uh, when you got Crowder and Bridges and you bring in Kane, who's a pain in the ass, a campaign in my ass pain, yeah. um, you know, and, and on the other end, you have all these energy guys in Gary Payton and in, in Toscano Anderson and my guy Jordan Poole just had a huge freaking night and 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 uh, uh, Draymond, who's just so good in the role that he plays like how important is that guy to that team so freaking important but they to me they were light years ahead both of these teams of of just how much better they are team wise chemistry wise than people uh than other teams in the nba and that goes for the top top of the class but again it was it was chris paul last night Chris Paul just directing their offense and making sure everybody's in the right spots and hitting shots that like six foot guards should not be hitting over uh, uh, what's not, I want to say Balenciaga. Bell, 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 what's my boy's name? Bielitsa. Bielitsa. Like you shouldn't be hitting these shots over this guy. But it was a really great game. And that's the effort. That's the team play that I want to see from my team. So what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, the, the takeaway is really it's DeAndre Ayton and and the Warriors' lack of depth 
at center. They really don't have a center right now because Wiseman is out. And I would have loved to see Kaminga play a little bit more in this game just to see what what like what that looked like. Let's get Kaminga out there. He he can jump with anybody. I would have loved to see what he could have done on the pick and roll that they were running a little bit and seeing if he could bother DeAndre Ayton. But the fact that the Phoenix Suns won this game with Devin Booker going out in the in like middle of the second quarter, it just speaks to how good they are as a squad from top to bottom. They're a very deep team. And Chris Paul was in control of this game. Um, I think when Chris and Steph play, there's kind of a, a seesaw between who's going to be more in control, right? If Steph's more in control, the pace is fast, fast, fast. And he makes, and the Warriors make you play fast. When Chris Paul is in control, it's a slower game. Look at the final score, 104-96. That's a Chris Paul paced game, not 120 to 116, which is a Steph Curry paced type of game. Golden State hasn't scored under 100 points all year. Right. Until this game. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this was the first game. Um, I, you know, I, I'll, I don't think Miles Bridges or excuse me, Mikhail Bridges was spectacular or unbelievable defense. I think he was really good. I think he was very solid in the sense where he just didn't give Steph a lot of space. He was he was trying to bother him as much as he could. Steph just missed shots. I mean, how many times do we see guys all over him and he's just I mean against the Clippers that you guys were doing a good job against Steph I think and he was just in that fourth quarter didn't matter who was guarding him he just he's just hitting shots shot after shot doesn't matter who's in his face he did have like three air balls last night too though which is not like him at all which is I think that's the point that I'm making is more than Mikhail Bridges affecting Steph I think Steph was just a little off in that night and and that you know that happens sometimes to great shooters even the best shooters which is why uh, to all the kids out there, when you miss a shot, don't fucking worry about it. Shake it off, go shoot again, and it's not that big of a deal. Look at Steph Curry, the greatest three-point shooter ever. Three air balls in one game, and, and they lost. It is what it is. Um, I think if Steph hits three more shots, just three, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a different game, and we're probably singing a different tune. I think the, the Warriors would have beaten this team if Steph is, is even a little bit better. It's difficult for me to say that the Warriors would have won this game with Steph shooting as good as he normally does if Booker's on the floor, right? So, like, if you're if we're going to play the game of, like, if, then what, uh, I still think this was an incredible win for the for the Phoenix Suns. And Chris Paul played almost 40 minutes, was, was out, outrageously in control of this game. I thought it was so – such a Chris Paul victory – um, and and then Aiden really just just demolishing whoever was on the floor for the for the Warriors. And I think it'll be interesting when they get James Wiseman back, the Warriors, to see what that looks like if if that alters how this looked. But you know, because the Warriors are such a switch heavy team, um, I mean Charles Barkley even brought it up at halftime. Is like when they switch, just get the big man under the basket, and it's mostly a layup, and it's and that's as simple as it has to be. And Chris Paul is very good at, at you know knowing that and making sure that they get a, a, a six foot shot instead of a, a weird pump fake three pointer, right? Like it, you, there's no reason for him to go one on one when against against Draymond when he could just fire it to DeAndre who can catch it and lay the ball up over whoever is guarding him at this point. Um, but I do want to also say something about DeAndre defensively. That guy is, I think, maybe the best defender from the center position in the league and and significantly better than Rudy Gobert. He blocked Steph Curry's jump shot. I'm talking about guarding guards. Sorry, maybe I didn't finish my thought. You didn't say that. Okay. I didn't finish my thought. So, yeah, the best best center at guarding the the wings and the guards when they get switched out to him. And Giannis still plays the four a lot, uh, but that's fine. Giannis can be better. 
but when he, as a seven footer, gets switched out, he's not scared. He's not looking around like Zub or all these other seven footers in the world just that are waiting just to like, get burnt. Just waiting. They're to just get like, burnt. fuck. What do I do? <laughs> right. What do I do? Uh, he's out there. He's like, fine. Like, what are you? Are you going to do something? Like, go around me. Fine. That's fine. I block that shit. Get that out of here. And then the fact that he blocked a Steph Curry jump shot was unbelievable. Uh, and the point that I'm trying to make is like, if DeAndre Ayton was on the Utah jazz, bro, they probably, they might've won a title last year. You know what I'm saying? Like that guy is so goddamn good no. and significantly better than Rudy Gobert. Even though the numbers are all say that Gobert is amazing. Gobert got, gets torched every time they go small. He can't guard guards. He gets blown by all the goddamn time. I think DeAndre Ayton needs more props and the Phoenix Suns have to pay this guy. I don't pay know what, him. The fuck, what are they him. waiting for? I don't He's know, man. So good. <laughs> if it's because if it's because of one extra year that I think James Jones said, give him the give fucking him, year. Give him give the him year. Give him two more. <laughs> what what do you want from your big? Like look, man, when I say pieces, I'm talking they have shooters. Cam Johnson, Landry Shamit, Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, Devin Booker can all shoot, correct? You got defenders and yep. Bridges can shoot too if he wants to. Uh, you got defenders and Bridges, Chris Paul, Payne, uh, DeAndre Ayton. They have ever, all the stuff that they need. Energy guys, all of that. They they really, the front office did really, really well. And same thing going for Golden State as well. They're just missing that one thing that, yo, if we're going to see Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals and we're going to betting on James Wiseman, who's played 14 games in the NBA and be ready for the Western Conference Finals. We all want to see what James Wiseman can do, right? We want you to live up to that number one pick, right? We want to see what you're going to bring. Or number two, what was he? He was two. You know, both both have really great teams. Uh, Steph will not have a lot of games like that. I think he will have bad games, just like every basketball player on earth has. Last night was just uh, under brighter lights and against a team that you kind of wish you don't have that kind of game against. But um, yeah, the last thing is like Wiggins also was not himself, right? He had the back spasm thing happening. I think he clearly wasn't in rhythm and, and was not the player that we've seen. Uh, you know, be a very good defensive and offensive player. He only had 10 points, but Otto Porter Jr. is yeah. another guy that the Warriors have. He went he went off and was, yeah. I think, a, a major reason why the game was as close as it was was because of Otto Porter Jr. That guy looks like he's he's turned back the clock two to three years. Uh, he still looks a little labored out there. But when he's knocking down three-pointers and getting to the rack, uh, you know, that's just more depth. And he's and Will Chamberlain's grandson, so obviously. He looks just like Will. <laughs> he's so Will. That's just another one of those guys, though, dude. They could take yeah. you off the dribble. They get to the rack easy. There was a couple Jordan Poole blows, blow-bys last night where it's like, damn, bro. One dribble from the three? Like, you got it like that? Mm. It's wild, man. That's wild. And again, let's – Booker was not playing the second half. You would think that you could just roll over, but nah, they don't play like that. As much as I don't like campaign and they come, they come in tough, man. And they're ready yeah. for the challenge. I get it. I, they scare me now. I was a little worried about them coming into this season. I didn't think they'd be in this. I don't think a lot of people thought they would be in this situation to win 17 games in a row. By the way, Chris Paul's what I think the only player in NBA history that has brought three different franchises to 17 game win, win streaks in a row, wow. which is just another fucking medal to throw on this guy's chest on his chest to be like point god what more do you want in a leader than to lead you to winning streaks yeah. like that seriously okay. seriously and i want the lakers to get cam johnson by the way that's that's he the last so thing good. I'll say. they're gonna pay I him the i bet you to... they pay him before they pay deandre 
I hope they don't. I hope they go fine. We'll give DeAndre the bag. Cam, we're going to have to cut ties because we just can't afford you. The Lakers will slide him in. I t- that's, that's a guy I would love to see play with LeBron James. <laughs> they're they're going to be – well, they're going to – well, how long do they have, Chris? Another three? Uh, another yeah, another three at least, yeah. and then he's got a fourth player option. I think at like seventy two million, <laughs> in that that fourth year option of seventy two. Um, yeah. Hey, how how cool was it that you know we can't have a podcast without bringing up Joker? How cool was it that they play in Miami? The this is the Denver. My, what's that? The rematch. The rematch, right? Denver, Miami, in Miami. The Joker brothers get courtside seats behind the bench. Uh, the, the buzz was going on when they saw them come in the arena. Right. And I think Joker was getting booed the whole night too. Like he was a, a lot of booing to Joker, which is just so funny. Cause if you don't love this guy, you just don't love basketball. And then his reaction was like, yo, I've played in Serbia. Like I, nobody like that. This is nothing like a couple boo birds from a crowd means nothing. But then the best part was they go, they're out in South beach and they go to live. I think they were at live or wherever they were at. And they play the Serbian national anthem for this guy or the Serbian fight song, whatever it is. Yeah. And they go crazy. I want to party with this guy and his brothers so freaking bad, dude. Oh, that was so funny. I, I don't know. Uh, do you, it, it was, for, was it for his birthday? Is that what it was? I don't know. Was it, was it b- birthday? I, the, the reason I asked is because that's like, that's like, that's pretty unbelievable. If, <laughs> if they planned to party in Miami like two weeks after he injures one of the Miami players, like if that was part of the plan, that is that is some G stuff right there. I I absolutely love it. No, it looks like his birthday is February nineteenth. So they just said, "Fuck it, we're gonna party in Miami after we beat the team after after that altercation. We're just gonna own your city." God damn, I love these guys. I, I just I love it. I I can't. I that was that. I have to say, it looked like. That would may have been like the first or second time Jokic has ever been in a club because he was wearing like a like a polo shirt with a like a up. short little short sleeve, looked like a Hawaiian, almost Hawaiian Jokic, not like what you would see. Like I feel like Miami, he needs to be in like a leather suit, something think, like that, in order think, for him to get in the club. You think Jokic cares about drip, bro? This guy does That's not what I'm saying. That's by I, his haircut. He was so he was just so awkward standing there when there was like all the party girls around and the sign that says Jokic MVP. But when the song I, came on, that's when they got lit, dude. Oh, totally. I mean, that's that was great. Uh, I just shout out to the Jokic family. What a what a great family we have. Please more content, more more Jokic in the club, please. Yes. Well, how about give us a, a reality TV show? That's something I'll watch. Don't give me Housewives of freaking. Tougaloo, Mississippi. I'm over it, right? Give me the Jokic <laughs> brothers in Miami. That's what Facebook, get with it, or Meta, whatever you want to call yourself now. Give us yeah. the Jokers, dude. That's what I want to see. I would tune into that every single week. So here's a, here's a question about my guy who I was very high on, and I know we brought him up. I was bringing it up about Top Shot and my investment in Michael Porter Jr., and he, he obviously got hurt again. And, you know, we're on Denver right now. Um, he had spinal surgery today. This is his third back surgery man in the past i would say five years right let's just say that in the past five years um i was asking the question you know do i give up on michael porter jr you said it's a hold i still am, am holding i didn't I, I don't think you're going to play the rest of the season after back surgery so if it's up to me they say indefinitely i think it's a wrap for michael porter jr which 
absolutely sucks. But then how, because I know you want to talk about injuries. So this is kind of a segue into just the amount of injuries we're dealing with right now. But how concerned should Denver be, especially when you just give him the bag of 170 or whatever it was that can come out to 200 if, if things work out. But how concerned are you as the front office of Denver and for the health of Michael Porter Jr.? Because if I'm the GM, I'm now I'm petrified. Yeah, this is a... Uh like the worst case scenario, right? It's, it's a, it's a nerve problem in his back. And once you get like, dude, the nerves, they're so fucking small. They're all over the place. If it's a nerve issue, dude, this is just, it's really, it's really tough situation for the kid. I feel so badly for Michael Porter jr. I do. And his whole family has had, they've been riddled with injury problems. Like his brothers, his sisters, they all played at Missouri. They all got fucking injured one way or another. And that's, so I don't know if that's genetic or whatever the issue is. I'm yeah, I'm very nervous if I'm the Denver nuggets organization, because you have, you have pretty much all your money doled out now, right? Murray's got it. Jokic got it. Both deserving. Uh, Murray, obviously injury prone, right? He's, he's, he's had some injury history and towards ACL. Uh, And then you got, Michael Porter Jr. who's going to kick in next year. <laughs> right now, the kid's making whatever, six or $8 million. That's fine, right? Can't play a year. Okay, that's fine. But $30 million 30. is coming next year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, you just don't know. You don't know what these things, like back problems cause Larry Bird's career to go short. Steve Nash is not the same once his back problems happened. Like it just... It's Do you remember probably- them getting back surgery though? Do you remember? Because Larry only played, I think, nine years in the league. You know, do you yeah, think Larry, he had think- surgery? I don't think there was like the, the surgeries available to Larry uh, at that time. I feel like he might've done it if it, if it was now like with the, with the medical facilities and all the tools that they have. And I mean, I would feel more comfortable doing it now than in the eighties, right. Uh, or nineties. But uh, I don't know. I think Steve Nash got surgery at some point. I don't know if he waited until after his career ended, but we know that Steve Kerr, former player got it as a coach and it was he was it was so difficult for him to even coach for him to sit on the sideline and coach with a back injury with a back surgery so that part of it it's just it's just tremendously sad and as a Uh, basketball player like say he comes back from spinal surgery right you're and he's always had a bad back as it is and you'd be concerned about this but man what if you catch one of those underbridges dude and you and you and you line on you you land on that tailbone dude what does that mean right? Like right. how fragile are you? But you, like you were saying, the hold and the upside of Michael Porter Jr. is he is this, this amazing talent at 6'10 that could shoot out of the gym and was just kind of figuring it out, his place on that team. And then to mm-hmm. have to do this. And I think Bones, my boy Bones Highland just got injured or has COVID now, and this was his time to shine. And now yeah, he had 19 in that Miami game. Yeah, and he was on his way, right? And especially right now, I was saying when I did the Top Shot show this week, like this is the time for Bones to to hop in and get those minutes and get these buckets and you know earn earn a nice little contract. But I'm I'm just really con- I'm still concerned about Michael Porter Jr. and you know spinal surgery cannot be good for a professional athlete. No, that's it's I think it's one of the worst. I mean, like if, I mean for outside of having like a foot injury, small bone foot injury. I think having a back injury is probably the worst injury you can have as an athlete of any sport. So I just, you just got to hope that the surgery goes well and that his timetable for return is gives him enough time to to return and be healthy. 
And then there's got to be a lot of rehab he's got to do as well. So I, I agree with you when it comes to like him playing this year. No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't just pop back up from back surgery in six months. Like I, 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 there's a chance, but I just don't, I don't see that happening because he's gonna have to be off his feet a lot when he's doing this. And so not only will the back have to heal, then the rest of him will have to catch up to being able to play at an NBA level again. Um, yeah, it, it just sucks. And I feel bad for Denver too. I mean, look, the, a lot of injuries, as you mentioned, there's, there's, there's so many injuries right now, just right now is it's happening a lot. Uh, but you know, teams like Denver, Philly, Milwaukee, uh, the Lakers have had their fair share. It, it, there's been a lot of teams out there that have been really impacted by injuries and COVID thus far this year. Uh, so I just hope that that everything goes well. The kid's so young. I mean, that's the thing, right? He's so that's the positive of this. The silver lining is that he's not 29. You know, he's he's still in his early 20s and and has a whole life in front of him. So let's hope that, you know, with the right amount of, of work, he can get back to where he was last year because it wasn't popping for the few games that he was in this year. So let's see if he can get back to that form. But you had some more things to bring up about injuries right now. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, like like I mentioned, um, He's not the he's not the only one that's going down. John Morant with a weird knee problem sprained his his knee for uh, for the Grizzlies on like a non contact move, which which is always that's always real scary. Uh, I don't know if you saw the play. He like I did. He was move. just standing. Yeah, he just kind of like ran backwards and was like, "Oh, that's weird." So, but he, it was a sprain and it wasn't like a weird Kawhi ACL tear, right? Because Kawhi's was just kind of running forward and he tried to make a little move and it was like, "Oh, that was weird." And no, he got bumped like, oh. by Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles fouled him. That's what it was, but that's okay. Sure, and but it but and then it's like all of a sudden, oh, actually, that's an ACL tear. So that's what you that when you see something like that happen to Ja, who's playing the best basketball of his life, um, and, and now he's going to be out for at least a few weeks. So we hope that that goes well. I already mentioned Joe Harris out with an ankle injury. And then uh, Jalen Suggs, our guy down in Orlando, broke, breaks his thumb. The, the road just gets tougher for this kid um, and for the Orlando Magic in general. At least Franz Wagner's playing his ass off. Killing. I got to say that. Killing. That guy, he, he, he's a little up and down, you know, with, with his scoring. But, man, he, he's looking every bit of, of the seventh or eighth pick in the draft that you would want. Those guys. Bam. Just, Bam's out for 10 weeks. Bam! I didn't hear that. Yeah, Bam's getting thumb surgery. Oh and my God! I I didn't I didn't know that was happening. Dame Lillard is hurt right now. Dame's hurt. Dame's actually going to be out of some games here coming up. So there is a lot. Everything you're saying is true, man. And I don't know yeah. what. And you know why I think it is, Drew? Is I don't know who's who's ever listening to this show, and including you, Drew. The game is. I'm going to say 10 times more physical right now in the (laughs) NBA. There are bodies flying everywhere, dude. And maybe it's because you're, you know, you're kind of allowed to foul now and they're not calling everything, but dude, watch an NBA game and see how many bodies end up on the floor, not including Anthony Davis. Cause that's a, that's a, that's a given Bledsoe and Anthony Davis don't count, but I saw the floor anyway. I saw Julius Randle fall maybe six or seven times last night. Yeah. Hard, hard shit, bro. Even mm-hmm. even Poole and, and Toscano Anderson, you're going so hard. That could have something to do with it. Yeah. But we can't blame this on the ball, right? No. And by the way, the, the moratorium, the moratorium on the ball, the excuse it's over. for the ball is it's over. Yep. We've we've reached 20 games. There is no more. We will not accept the ball as an excuse for anyone shooting. It's your fault. Get in the gym, go shoot some more shots. It'd be funny but, if Steph came out after the game the other night and was like, you know what? That ball's been really bugging ball. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. That's we hilarious. We ain't buying uh, it, Steph. Sorry, buddy. 
Yeah, it's like, ah, sorry, Steph, it's been 20 games. Clips and Drew said it. You, you no longer have that as a valid excuse. Yep. Uh, but the, the last thing that I did want to bring up for the injury piece is Brooke Lopez. I, I brought up his twin brother, Robin, with the skyhook. Brooke, who's still on the Bucks, hasn't played since the first day of the season. Game one, he played and then hasn't come back. I think there's some serious problems with his back right now as well. And they go out and they sign Boogie Cousins. So Clips, it's official. The NBA season has started. Boogie Cousins has been signed to a team. Now the preseason is over. It's now NBA basketball, regular season. Boogie on a team. Well, you know what, Drew? You're kind of taking the words out of my mouth because this was part of my final thought. So should I just get into my final thought then? Yeah, let's do it. Go. All right. And normally I let you start, but since you already segued me so well. All right, man. (laughs) here's, Here's my thoughts. And I wrote, obviously, a couple names down. Kemba, Blake, John Wall and Boogie, right? Stars Mm -hmm. in their own right. At one point, superstars. And not far Mm -hmm. removed from their superstar years, okay? All all stars, I think. All four of them have been all John Wall is a six-time all-star. Blake Griffin, all-NBA. Boogie, definitely all-NBA. Boogie's four-time all-NBA. Yeah. And now we're at the John Wall had his own fucking shoe, man. Okay. Had a 10 year deal <laughs> with Adidas. And now we're paying these guys to not play. Like, is this going to be the new norm? Like John Wall came out and said, I like, I'm ready to play. I want to play. And the Houston who could use John Wall a lot <laughs> um, yeah. would rather pay him 42 million not to play. They'd rather pay Blake Griffin not to play. They'd rather pay a boogie. You think boogie's going to get some burn in Milwaukee? He's probably not. It's going to get the same amount of burn, if less, from them um, for uh, like he played on the Clippers, right? But is this the in Kemba, cardiac Kemba, man? We're talking this guy is a legend in New York City, and now we're just going to take dudes out of the lineup and not play. It's it 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 hurts, man. It breaks my heart that these, some, is this the end for these guys? Like I know that wall might have a little more left in him. Um, It sure looks like he does in practice. He's working his ass off. You're telling me Kemba Walker can't contribute to some, some NBA team. And I just, I don't want this to be the end for Blake. I don't want Blake to end up like Danny Granger and like Grant Hill, just holding on, you know, who, who was so great at one point in their lives. And yes, I get it. Getting the bag and securing your future is something very important. It's very important. But then what does legacy mean, right? We're far removed from Lob City, right? We're far removed from Lob City. We're far removed from, from, we're not far removed from Boogie Cousins. We're talking three years ago, right? Four years Mm. ago. This dude is probably the better player than Anthony Davis in a playoff series, in a winning playoff series. Well, they played together. That was his last big one was, was they were teammates. That's what I'm saying. I think Boogie was better than Anthony Davis in that series. I mean, you could, we could argue it. But is this where we're going, man? This makes me so sad. And it makes me sad. I know Blake had called DeAndre asking him how to deal with, hey, man, how do you ride the pine? I don't know how to do that. I've never been – I've been injured in riding the pine, but I've never been told, hey, man, you're seventh now. Actually, man, you're practice squad now because we're not – we're going right. to bring in – and you were so correct. You were so correct and right. Correct. That's a good word. Um <laughs> Bembry is way more active and James Johnson is way more active than Blake. I'm Blake is a better shooter than both of them combined, but that's not what they need on that team. Right? So I guess my whole thing is like, it's just sad seeing this stuff come to an end. And do you see like any of these guys getting that extra, that next shot on the other hand, we're seeing guys like Derek Rose 
who couldn't find his place in the NBA after Chicago and after Minnesota. He found, and you had a 50 piece in Minnesota once, you know, but Cleveland doesn't work out. And now you get back with Tibbs, you find the motivation, you figure out your role in my team. I don't need to be MVP, Derek Rose. I need to be the guy that's going to run the offense for 17 minutes a night and get the buckets the way I need to get them. Where, where do you think this is going, man? And do you think any of these, these players that I mentioned are going to get another look? Well, I think for all four of them, injuries, unfortunately, is what changed everything for them, right? And, it's, and it is unfortunate, like where, where we're talking about Michael Porter Jr., who could be in a situation like this very, very shortly. All four of them, I think, still have something to contribute, to your point. I think John Wall is in a, is in a good spot. He can contribute right now. Like he just, he's just not I, – physically, he's don't want good, him to. Yeah, physically, he's in a good spot. I think if he was on a team, I think he'd be doing just fine. Like, he averaged 19 and 9 last year. So, that's – I think he's good. Uh, and I think if he just gets an opportunity, he'll do that. But when it comes to Blake and Boogie and Kemba, the, the three of them have something in the back pocket that will pay off for them. And that means – what it is is they have to start shooting threes better. So, you, you don't, you're not going to be playing a lot of games – Guess what you can be doing when you're not playing in games? You can go and shoot threes for two hours a day. Catch and shoot threes. Catch and shoot threes because every single NBA team, doesn't matter what size you are, can use a guy who can hit a catch and shoot three, which is what they wanted Blake to do. Um, and you mentioned that he's a better shooter than Bembry and James Johnson, which I agree with, but he was not, he was not doing that. He's not a better shooter than them this season right now. So if they can make those adjustments, and I think Boogie already started to do that, right? DeMarcus has, yes. has definitely been trying to stretch his, his game out to the three-point line. Um, and, you know, with, with Blake and with Kemba, they don't have their explosiveness. They don't have their quickness back. They can't get by people as easily. They can't finish as easily as they did. Well, get some fucking reps up at catch-and-shoot threes. And, and guess what? When you're on the court and you, and you hit that catch-and-shoot three, you're going to stay on the court a little bit longer. And, and then maybe there is a team out there. Maybe it's not Brooklyn or New York for either of these guys, but maybe there is a team out there that, that goes, shit, like the Warriors. Like if the Warriors wanted Blake Griffin to try and body up DeAndre Ayton and he can help them by standing in the fucking corner and shooting a three and then playing hard defense on a center, then, then there's, there's an option there for you. But I do think every single player in this league that starts out as an athlete, like dribble drive, dunk on you, get by you quick, crossovers and stuff like that when they hit a point in their career whether it's through injury or age they can slow it down and just get focus on contributing to a, a key portion of any nba offense and that's hitting threes so do you think what do you think that kemba and blake are going to be buyout options then if we're out of the rotation i mean do you think they're going to be in the buyout market they could neither of them are on very high level contracts right now I think they're both on very minimal contracts. So my guess is that they would be traded before they get bought out. I don't think Kemba is, man. I think Kemba's getting the bread. Kemba got bought out. He signed a min. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah, he got bought out by Oklahoma City. So he's on a minimum. And Blake re-signed one year with Brooklyn, I believe. So both of them are on contracts that are very easily traded or even just waived, to be very frank. They could just be waived. Uh, and cut and let go. I don't think either of them will do that. Well, either the Knicks nor the Nets will do that to Blake 
or Kemba because they're they can still contribute. I still think that there's a, a pathway for them. And then especially if there's an injury to somebody else, right? Like if Lamarcus Aldridge goes down or has to retire again all of a sudden, then guess who's gonna be playing a little bit more? Fucking Blake Griffin. Even if he's bricking shots, Blake's gonna be out there more. You know what I'm saying? Or if James Johnson, who's an older guy, you know, falls down with an, an ankle or something, I still think that they the depth that they have on both of those teams is is something that is very important for both teams. Uh, but I don't think they can just go willy nilly. I mean, maybe Kemba, to be honest, I think Kemba would be a, a candidate for a wave or a cut or a buyout or a trade more than I think Blake would be at this point. Yeah, because when you look at New York, when you're talking, they love quickly, right? You got D Rose that's there, you got Fournier, you got all these guys that can actually play that position and bring the ball up and uh, actually, you know, try to play on defense. I, it's just hard for me to see like, Blake Griffin, like not getting in a, in a basketball game, right? When you're three years ago, you're an NBA all-star that's got to hurt, got to hurt the ego and definitely hurts us Clipper fans watching that. So, but we foresee, we foresaw that Jerry West foresaw this, that this was going to happen because those athletic players, like, dude, why do you think Vince Carter played for 20 years in the NBA? Cause he learned how to shoot a three. That's exactly why he ended up playing. It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. They all have an option if they work hard enough. I, I believe go talk to C Mike Dunn, go talk to all these shooting coaches, help me get better at this mm-hmm. or else, or else don't play basketball anymore. That's kind of the option that you have. Um, but it is still an option at least because some guys don't have that option uh, when it comes to just being injured and not being able to actually run. They still have the, the ability to run. Final thoughts, the, Drew. Yeah. Final thoughts for me. So it, it is interesting. We, we don't share our final thoughts with each other. No, we don't. But mine actually is piggybacking a bit off of what we just talked about. And it, it's revolving around John Wall and one other guy. Uh, as you mentioned, John Wall wants to play. He's come out and said, I'd like to play. I would let me get out there. I, you know, <laughs> I'm bored at this point. I, I want to play some fucking basketball. And, and I think if they let him play, it's more likely that he actually gets traded because then they can see, is, it, is he worth trading for? Kind of like the Ben Simmons thing. Um, He's still in the NBA? Yeah, supposedly. Um, so John Wall wants to play. And then the other guy I wanted to bring up is Goran Dragic, who was traded away in order to get Kyle Lowry down to minutes into to Miami. Uh, he is stepping away from the Toronto Raptors. He played in like the first three to four games for them and then has not played at all. So another guy like kind of fits into the mold of what we're talking about. Uh, except for Goran Dragic is not, I mean, he's had injury problems. I don't think he's injured right now. Uh, and I still very much think he can contribute. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's two teams that I think should seriously consider going after one of these guys, either of them, really, they could, you know, flip a coin. You're going to say the Clippers, aren't you? No, Oh. Okay. but we did bring this team up first. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets, mm-hmm. they're injured all over the goddamn place. And Jokic has done something this season that he didn't do last season during his MVP run, and it's missed games. He's already missed games due to injuries and suspension. And so when he's off the court, they lose games. It's not, it's not even close. When he's not playing, they are not good. Uh, and they're even worse now uh, with the Michael Porter Jr. news, uh, with Bones, uh, who actually is looking very good. I, I, once he gets back out there, I think he'll be good. But they could use John Wall I think they could definitely use Goran Dragic, uh, you know, one or the other. Goran is on a $19 million contract for this year. He only has this year, so in its expiring contract, which I think, you know, could make some sense. The problem with Denver is that a lot of their money is already locked up. You so mentioned that, yeah. I, I still think they should try and make a play 
for Goran Dragic or John Wall. And then look, dude, John Wall can play with Jamal Murray. I don't see a problem at all with that. And I still think Monte Morris, who is good, is is probably good enough to get traded. You know what I'm saying? Like if you can trade Monte Morris and a first or a second for Goran Dragic or John Wall, then go ahead and make the move. And then you're a better team right now. The other team that I brought up was the Knicks. The Knicks could use John Wall. The Knicks also could use Goran Dragic. Mm -hmm. I think these are guys that are good basketball players. John Wall especially loves to play defense, I think. And I, I think Tibbs would just kind of fire his ass up and like get him out there and go play some hard defense and go do your shit. Uh, but Dragic, I think, could be also equally good for the Knicks as well. He's a good shooter. He would play well off of Fournier and uh, Randall, I think. But the, my final thought is, whether it's the Nuggets or the Knicks or whoever, John Wall and Goran Dragic should be on a basketball floor playing for somebody by the end of this fucking season, and hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, it was really, I guess, respectful that he was stepping away from the Raptors. They, you know, they gave him... Um, a nice little letter that they put on Instagram saying, Hey, you know, he's going to go for personal reasons, but I, I think that's covering up the fact that they're doing the John wall treatment where, Hey, we'll pay you, but you're not going to be playing, which again, if you're an NBA team, why don't you want this guy playing? Did you see what he did with Miami? Did you see the locker room kind of guy he was with, with everybody on that team? They love this guy. And from everything I hear about John wall too, like I heard he's great. People really like John wall. He would be to, him being on this Houston team won't make them a playoff team at all, but shit, if, name a better point guard that could play with that team. It would probably be John Wall. And you're, you're so right. And I think the Knicks are missing something. They are missing something. They do have a lot of very good pieces, but they're missing something. I think you got the big man in Mitchell. You got, you know, Julius. You got your all-NBA guy. You got D. Rose and the come up of quickly, the Fournier, uh, the, the OB who's been great for them as, as they're like Blake Griffin kind of guy, just being the trash dude, um, taking a lot of three-pointers too, which I think he's understanding that if I want to be playing in the NBA a long time, he's going to listen to Drew Miller and learn how to shoot three-pointers. I love both of those, Drew. And then, then the whole thing is, is like, what are we going to do? We're going to set out another year. I'm another year older. Nobody's going to pick me up and I'm just going to come back. Like when, come on, man. Yeah, we got to we got to see if these guys can run or not. What are we paying forty million dollars for, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And the Dragic one to me is is it's a much easier plug and play because it's not a forty million dollar contract mm -hmm. and he's expiring. Like mm -hmm. this, that one to me is just a, it's a complete anomaly, unless there is some sort of like underlying issue with him health wise that we are not being made aware of. But I can think off the top of my head, there's for Dragic specifically, like Dallas check they could definitely use Goran. I would love. I would love Dragic on my team. If, if it was on the Clippers. Yes. Like I literally would, any, I think all 29 other teams would be like Goran Dragic for 19 yes. million. I think I, that, that, I, we can I, swing I could that. that. We can yeah, swing that. I, we can make that happen. But I also, but like the Pelicans, for instance, the team that you just played, mm -hmm. John Wall, Goran Dragic, like, what are you, what are you waiting for? Right. Like, just do something. Do something. They, and John Wall, I think, would be a lot of fun on that team, for instance, for the Pelicans. They gave up trade scenarios for the Clippers because I guess L.A. is still in the play for it. It's, what, it's, one of, it's funny, you know, all these NBA players want to go to New York or L.A. Shocking, right? Yeah. And so they say the only way that it would work would be Luke Kennard. Uh, it'd be Luke Bledsoe and Serge, right? And For John Wall? For John Wall. And it's wow. just like, I, it's a lot. It's a lot for me, and I, I wouldn't do it. I would love to have John Wall on the team in a buyout. I can't have 40 million committed to him. It just doesn't work for us. And it doesn't put us over the top.
So I'm with that. Anyways, um, I got something to bring up, Drew. It's, okay. you know, it's that time of year. It's holiday season, right? Yeah. It's, you know, Merry Clipsmas and a happy Drew year. And I yeah. had a great thought the other day since uh, one of uh, my nice Clipper Nation friends, Alicia, made me some custom uh, Clippers ornaments for my Clipsmas tree. I thought yeah. it would be great that our, our boy Lopez, Lopez Designs, the homie that created our, our new logo as well, got us a really good Christmas one. So I'm planning on making us some ornaments, some Christmas ornaments hey. that I want our fan. They're going to be cheap, guys. Okay, this isn't going to be a $30 tee. I'm thinking maybe if we could do it for like 15 bucks. It does cost to make things, guys. But I want to <laughs> see, I want to make these and I want you guys to buy some and put them on your tree. And I want pictures of Clips and Drew on the on your tree. The, the design is awesome. This cannot go to waste. Are you going to put this on uh, on our IG page so people can see it? Of course. Of course. Okay, cool. And the OGs will be, I have to make sure that we can get the ornament done first. It's, right. been, a, it's been a lot of work. We got the design. Now I just have to, it has to be this certain file so that my girl Alicia can make them. And then we have nice. to come up with some cool packaging for people. But I, okay. want, I want clips and Drew on people's Christmas trees this week. That would be awesome. I'm very excited about that. Uh, that I... Uh, the, the Merry Clipsmas and a Happy Drew year has been something that we've done for the last you know, year or two, I think. And it, and it has a nice ring to it. And say what you want. I don't care if you don't like that. It's fucking awesome. I it's love it. It's great for it's trademark too, guys. So none of you can steal it. Yeah, you can't steal that. But uh, I love Christmas, man. I'm going to get a tree. I think I got a tree coming uh, this week. I'm going to be getting a tree. Um, so the, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. This is, this is very exciting. It's going to be done. So whoever listening to this show, DM me and let me know you want one because I'm making these and we want to see them on your tree. Until then, we will be back shortly unless the Clippers lose to the Kings tonight. And then I will not want to see Drew for another month. But mo- hopefully <laughs> it'll be a different story. We got the Clippers Lakers on Friday. It is going down. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. And we're ghosts. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the 